Hello, and thanks for taking the time to tune in to our podcast. This is Pastor Carson with Calvary Tabernacle. Every week, what we're putting on the podcast is a snapshot of what's happening here, whether it's our local services or whether it's different teaching sessions. And the ultimate goal is really tied to our mission here at Calvary, and that is to reach, to connect, and to disciple. We hope that wherever you are, this podcast is a blessing for you. And if you're in the Indianapolis area, we would absolutely love for you to come by. Join us for a service, whether that be 10 a.m. on a Sunday morning, 6.30 p.m. on a Sunday night, or 7 p.m. on a Wednesday. We would love to see you here at Calvary Tabernacle. God bless you, and enjoy the podcast. We're going to a fun new series this month. I'm really excited about our September series, and I, I thought about coming up with some really crazy names, um, fun, kind of easing into fall. Um, but this is, this is really what we're getting into, unlocking right relationships. I thoroughly enjoyed our last series that we just came through, um, and I think this one is going to be a lot of fun. I think it's going to help us. Our first uh, opening text is going to be in Galatians 2. Before we do that, I want us to pray together, okay? And uh, if they're still passing out these handouts to you, that's fine. You just keep your hand lifted. Why don't you close one eye? You can do that while we pray. Just... Lord, we love you. We thank you for our time together in the house of the Lord. I thank you for these great people. I pray that you would help me to teach this very important, very critical uh, lesson here tonight, that we would work through this together, that we would see what Scripture has to say. Let it affect our hearts and our minds. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. Amen. So this is really what we're talking about tonight, unlocking right relationships. And Brother Ross, that is the key word, right relationships. Now, how many know there are wrong relationships? Well, yes, there are. Amen. But there are right relationships, and that's what we're going to work through here tonight. Galatians chapter 2. Galatians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 11 through 14. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. Think about that. That's some strong language. That's strong KJV right there. I withstood him to the face. Why? Because he was to be blamed. Well, okay, tell us about it. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Verse 13 says, And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. And what does verse 14 say? But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter in front of all of them, If thou being a Jew... Livest after the manner of the Gentiles, and not as do the Jews. Why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? I want to read you this in a little bit of a short story form. We were told the apostle Peter was here. The voice of the man at the door was stiff in spite of the welcoming smile with which Lucius greeted him. We have a message for him from James, the Lord's brother. Of course, brothers, please come in, Lucius replied, stepping back. Peter, he's sitting over there with Paul and the others. 
The two dusty travelers hesitated on the doorstep and then stepped through the doorway. They looked as if they expected a sudden blow to fall on them as they did so. Their eyes swept across the fountain in the small atrium and then settled at the dining room to which Lucius pointed. There, reclining on couches around the low table, were Peter, Paul, and Barnabas, mixed freely with Gentiles, such as Titus and Simeon. The Jewish messenger's eyes narrowed. We'll, we'll just sit here, one of them said, indicating a pair of benches in a corner of the atrium. Please let Peter know that we're here to see him. Lucius crossed to where Peter was sitting. Some visitors are from Judea, he said in kind of a low voice, and they're asking for you. Peter straightened on his couch, his feet hitting the floor. He excused himself, and he hurried away. The voices carried back to the dining room as Peter greeted the messengers. Their tone was accusatory. His was defensive. Peter returned just long enough to take up his place and his cup with a guilty glance around at the others. And then across the atrium, he walked to sit with those Jews. The discussion around the table died down to an awkward silence that seemed to stretch on for hours instead of mere minutes. One by one, the other Jewish believers excused themselves on that certain pretext or another uh, type of reason around Peter and the newcomers in the corner. Barnabas was the last to go. As his mentor made a move to rise, Paul grabbed his arm and said, you too would be drawn away? But his response, it's Peter. It's Peter. That's what Barnabas replied as if that simple statement was reason enough. It is Peter. Paul thought, Peter who preached the day of Pentecost revival, Peter who healed the lame man at the gate beautiful, Peter who stood up at the chief priests and told them that he would rather obey God than men, Peter who was the first to open the door of salvation to the Gentiles. And with that final thought, Paul realized that there was something he simply had to do. And as the eyes of the Gentile believers he had won to Christ widened with shock and hurt, he rose and he decided a confrontation with Peter was necessary. Some questions that we need to ask ourselves getting into this tonight according to this text and really something that was happening there that still happens today if we're not careful. First question would be why did Peter and the other Jews separate themselves from the Gentile believers? That's something we might need to answer internally. Why is it that they separated themselves? Another question, what effect do you think prejudice would have had on the new Gentile believers. Another question, what kind of discrimination or prejudice could we be guilty of in the church today? While it's easy for us to speak against the negativity in the world, and it's easy for us to shout about wanting unity, what kind of discrimination or prejudice could we be guilty of? And then another question, what damage could this cause to the church? Let's talk about this here tonight. Starting with Paul. So our first point tonight is from the life of the great New Testament author, Paul. And that lesson is this. Accountability is a necessity. Hear me now, whether you're 17 or 70, accountability is a necessity. Until your flesh stops having a desire to sin... You have to have accountability. You have to have accountability. 
And you have to have someone in your life that can actually hold you accountable. (laughs) I have been in situations with young people where I asked them who their accountability partner was and the only person they had was their boyfriend or girlfriend. That don't work. Amen. Now, if you're married, yes, your spouse needs to be part of who you're accountable to. But you need some outside voices that can call you on your stuff. You need accountability. Let's frame this in a little bit. This story in Galatians chapter 2 began a chapter earlier with Paul's own desire for accountability. Galatians chapter 1, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ, God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Look at verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Who is it that I'm really trying to please? And I think I can say something that everyone knows here, but you need to underline this in your notes. You need to make some personal notes because this is one of the hardest things we deal with. We are not called to please people. Now, if you work for somebody, it's not a good thing to try to make your boss mad either. Well, Pastor Carson said, I'm not even trying to please you. Well, keep your job. Okay? But you do need to know when it's making you cross ethical boundaries. You do need to decide whether or not that paycheck is worth your integrity. Uh Uh-huh. You could get the promotion and lose your soul. You tell me if it's worth it. We are not called to please people. We are called to please God. Even when it's hard. Even when it doesn't make sense. How about this? Even when it makes you feel like you don't fit in. Well, I don't deal with that anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm too old to worry about that. You don't, you don't grow out of that. Peer pressure lasts. It grows with you. Accountability does not replace personal drive or divine anointing. You've got to have accountability, but simply having accountability. I could, Brother Turner, you could tell me all day long to do something. Do I need you to get that done. I need you to get that done. But unless I actually do it, unless I have the drive to get it done, it will never be accomplished. Eventually, you'll have to get frustrated and do it yourself. Right? Any of you parents ever been there? Yeah. The whole time you're cleaning up the room, you think, I'm going to whip them over this. I'm going to whip them. Should have whipped them anyway. It's more than accountability. But you've got to have personal drive. You need divine anointing. Paul immediately began preaching. It's one of the hard things for us to fathom. Brother Kilman, I'm listening here. You did a great job tonight. Brother Drew, just tremendous at this highlight. And I, I'm thinking here, we have this seasoning process of training. And we need it. It's... We have this guarding and accountability. We want to know a little bit about who's getting behind the microphone and who's taking the, uh, the pulpit, so to speak. And, and that's understandable. Imagine Paul in this incredible um, 
conversion that he has, he goes from killing to preaching. He's just radical. He's just all in. He goes from, and that's, that's as quickly as the scene changes. Now, if, if somebody that was just accused of murder showed up Sunday, and I said, I can tell they've had a change. And gave them the mic. I guarantee some of y'all would want to talk to me about that. Wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, you know. And I, I, I'd want to talk to myself. My wife would be over there going, no. But Paul went immediately to preaching. He had a divine anointing from that revelation. It did not mean that he did not still need accountability. He still needed help and he himself sought after that, if you do not truly want to grow, you will not accept a mentor or a shaper or whatever you want to call it. Mentor is not a biblical term, but a, a disciple. You will not be able to actually accept and utilize that instruction if you're not really concerned about growing. A lot of people have to crash before they really take the help. Their ego has to run out. Yeah, it's like driving down the road. I was with this. I was with my cousin one time, and and I saw the gas light come on. We 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 probably better get gas. You know, some people like to prove how far they can go. You know who you are. Oh, that light just turned on. I've got thirty four miles. What do you mean thirty four miles? I found out thirty four miles, and I'll never forget sitting on the side of the road. Because she wanted to see how far that she could go. My cousin, still remember this, sitting there. I was just a young man. And I, I'm sitting in the seat thinking, I'm going to have to push this car. Because she wouldn't stop and get gas in it. And she took it as far as it would go. You can know that you need it, but still not utilize it. You can know that you need the help, but still not utilize it. I still, to this day, I like to have assistance. Correction, I've talked to you about this. I like to run ideas and thoughts by people because I need people in my life that are honest enough to speak truth to me. Now, I don't appreciate someone coming up after a message or after a lesson and saying, I got to tell you, that was horrible. I mean, I mean I'm not sure what you were trying to say. I don't even know if you know what you were trying to say. But I do have some leaders in my life that ahead of the time, I try to I work with them. I walk through texts. We try to make sure some things make sense. You need people like that in your life, in your everyday life. I was trying to make a decision re recently. It had nothing to do with ministry, but it was on some, a personal decision. And I called up and I ran it through someone I can trust. You need people that you can trust to tell you the truth. To tell you the truth. I'm going to say it again, to tell you the truth. Hey, listen, I don't, I don't think... I don't think so, but my wife said I've been really grouchy lately. And I, I just wanted to add, you have been. You need a buddy close enough to be like, you've been a nightmare. I don't know if your sugar's low. I don't know. The diet's not working for you. Some of you know every time you get on the diet, you get mean. You're like a mean drunk with no alcohol. Problem is, you have no alcohol, but you have no sugar. Need people in our life that can help us and shape us. How many know we don't grow out of that? We don't grow out of that. Regardless of how long we have been in the church, we are not pursuing being in the church. We are pursuing God. 
And so those godly relationships are critical for us. We need what I would call that, that shaper in our life. When you look at Paul, he had that initial drive to preach the gospel, but he still sought that accountability. He eventually had to flee Damascus over the wall in the basket to avoid being killed. Paul decided it was time to go back to Jerusalem. He spent 15 days with Peter and James, no doubt confirming the salvation message that he had felt so strongly to preach. And then after preaching across Asia Minor, after 14 years, Paul went back to Jerusalem again by, by revelation. In other words, God himself is allowing Paul to understand the need for accountability to confirm the message that he had been preaching. We get strong language from Paul. Don't let anybody try to affect this doctrine, shape this doctrine. Paul recognized in the midst of my travels, I may pick up things that I didn't mean to pick up, and every now and then I've got to come back around the people who love the doctrine. And make sure that I'm not picking up some new ideology. How many know those are flying around all the time? New social customs. This isn't wrong anymore. That is fine now. This compromise all under the umbrella of tolerance. The truth is we need people in our lives that are close enough. I have elders in my life right now that if they would call me and they would tell me, hey, I heard a message and, and, and showed me where I had said something foolishly, I would repent publicly about it. Why? You need those voices in your life. That's why we don't preach things just because they're popular. We don't, we don't preach and teach in this church just trying to get a response from the crowd. Brother Lopez, what if you're teaching a Bible study and it's not going real good and there are no tears and they're not smiling and they're just mad and maybe you should just mix it up a little bit to make them feel better about it. Well, no. You're not worried about their feelings as much as you are their soul. And so that's the way it works. That's the way that, and so we're looking at Paul in this sense of accountability with these disciples and, and getting close to them. And sometimes it's very uncomfortable to get close to people smarter than you. If you have to be the smartest person in the room, you're, you have an ego issue. Okay. It's okay to have people close that are brilliant. Some of you are like, I don't have any friends like that. God's call for accountability for what Paul was preaching came in spite of the fact that he was already preaching the right gospel. Galatians 2, 6, and 7. He was not preaching a false or an incomplete doctrine, yet still God calls him to be accountable. Accountability is for everyone. Please catch this. Not just for those who are struggling. We preach accountability, we teach accountability, typically as though it needs to be caught by those who are struggling. If you do not have someone you're accountable to, it is much easier for you to fall into that category. Don't get yourself in trouble before you need help. Keep people in your life for accountability. Let me tell you what I also believe. I believe if you have a doctrine question, you should be able to ask it. Okay? You have a question about the oneness of God, you should be able to ask that. You should have friends that can be a dialogue with. If you feel like that 
If you asked your best friend a question about lifestyle disciplines or holiness standards and you're afraid of the way that they would react, like they wouldn't want to be your friend because you have a question, they're not your friend anyway. Now, if you're trying to be contentious or drive a wedge of division, you're in a different category. But I fear the reason we've lost so many young adults when they got to 18 is because they didn't feel like they could ask honest questions in those earlier years. Ladies and gentlemen, the days of because I said so are way gone. They're way past us. I feel a little hook on that right there. I know it's still a great line to use, and I do use it from time to time. Because I said so. <laughs> but realistically, when it comes to doctrine, that's not an answer. When it comes to lifestyle disciplines, that's not an answer. And we need to be willing to take the time. And how many know that if you don't have the exact answer, it'd be better for you to just say, hey, let me look into that a little bit more than making something up? Don't make something up. And can I help you with this too? Don't use this line because pastor said we're supposed to. You're not of Paul. You're not of Apollos. You're not of Carson. You're of Christ. And it's from the Word. It's from the Word. That's where we draw our conclusions. And so we've got to be accountable to one another. That's why we, we allow those close relationships in our life. We need those close relationships in our life. Can anyone in this room think of a time that accountability saved your bacon? Uh-huh. Some of you, some of you in here, if you were really honest, you'd say you carry a lot of scars that had you had an accountability partner you wouldn't have. You have big-time regrets that if there would have just been an accountability partner, if you'd have had that one guy or that one girl that you could have called and said, hey, I need you to talk me down off this ledge. I need you to get me through this situation. I need you to... Or even better than that, the person that every week they were able to check in with you about that situation that you struggle with. That you struggle with. I don't want you to raise your hand, but I want you to feel confident where you sit. You're not the only one that struggles. You're kidding. You're not. Guess what, Bible college students? You have some struggles with things. Other guys sitting right up there, they struggle with the same things. Girls, if you've ever looked in the mirror and questioned your, uh, who you are and how you live and how you dress, guess what? You're not alone. And if we're not careful, we wear this banner like, oh, I can't believe that anybody would question it. I can't believe that anybody. When the truth is, almost everybody that's ever took, took a breath into their lungs has at one point or another questioned how you live, why you live. How many of you have ever, you've just ever had to live for God even when you didn't feel like it? You need a friend at church that you feel enough accountability to that if you're not here, they're going to call you on it. I got a lot of people that text me or send notes through Sister Brown if they're not going to be at church. And I thank God for that. It's a sense of accountability. But I'm going to tell you what the size crowd we have here on Sunday, and I thank God for it. I'm going to miss some people. Don't know if they, if they miss service. And it's not one of these like, didn't notice. Because we're not coming for each other. 
But we do need people. You ought to look around on Sunday. You ought to notice people on your rows. And if they're not there, you ought to at least shoot them. Hey, I didn't see a church. Man, I, I hate that we didn't connect. People should feel accountable. I don't think missing church for weeks on end is, is okay. I know we've been in a weird time. I understand COVID. I know what we've been dealing with, and it's been an anomaly. But in regards to normative behavior, missing church is not a good thing. I want to say this again clearly. I am not talking to those who have underlying health issues. I'm not talking to those who have been sick. If you got a fever or you got the corona, you stay home. It's not what I'm talking about. You understand that. We have people that are, we have faithful members that are shut-ins that cannot get here. That is not what I'm talking about. But Brother Brown, what I am talking about are those people that make excuses. Can't come to church, but you've been to every restaurant that's open. I might be meddling, but it's good meddling. Can't, can't come to church, but you're at Walmart at Social distancing, nothing. And we need people in the church that we're accountable to. Friends. Not just relatives, but friends. How many know there ought to be healthy connections in the church? Healthy connections. Brother Herbst, if, 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 if you've missed for a couple weeks, I, I, I bet you wish somebody would shoot you a text. Keep me accountable. But also just check on me because you love me. Amen. Just check on me because you love me. Because you care for my soul. God knows that we need accountability. We have to push to mature spiritually. Even those who have an unquestionable calling like Paul, a divine anointing like Paul, an inner drive like Paul, an accurate message like Paul, they need accountability. Accountability to stay on track. Now, let's talk about the next key character in this particular topic, and that's Peter. Peter also had an unquestionable calling. He was personally chosen by Jesus to follow him. I cannot imagine what that must have just done for someone anyway. How that must have felt, Brother Jordan, to have been personally called by Christ. Now, I know that we've been called, but I'm talking walk by the Sea of Galilee called. Hey, come after me. Everybody knows that you, only 12 guys, and you're one of them. What an amazing thing. What an incredible opportunity that Peter had here. No one could question the zeal of this most outspoken and fiery apostle, the one to whom is given the keys of the kingdom of heaven, he certainly had the true gospel. He got the chance to preach that salvation message in Acts. But Peter was concerned with public image. He was. It was Peter who was given the keys of kingdom. He unlocked the door of salvation for not only the Jews and the Samaritans, but also the Gentiles. After his vision of those unclean beasts in Acts chapter 10, what happens? He, he goes to the house of Cornelius, the Gentile centurion. Peter steps across Cornelius' threshold. He's in a Gentile house for the first time. 
and proclaim ye know that it is unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or to come unto one of the another nation but God hath showed me that I should not call any man common or unclean that's Acts 10:28 Peter went on to say of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons right God was going to accept anyone regardless of their background and as Peter preached the Holy Ghost fell on Cornelius and all his household and the next thing they do they've got a commandment to be baptized can any man forbid water seeing they have received it's an amazing amazing thing that happens and Peter right here he is the one who's seeing first hand account of the Gentiles being added. Peter faced public criticism. You need to know this. The historical significance. He faced criticism. Reaching for certain classes of people will get you labeled. Ah. Reaching for certain Status of people alone is not effective evangelism. Say, Brother Carson, I feel like you've talked about souls a lot. I feel like, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that's where the Lord's got us right now. And we've got to break down preconceived ideas and know that if you get ridiculed for trying to reach others, you're in good company. You're in good company with these men of Scripture. He faced public criticism. Rather than rejoicing that the Gentiles could also be saved, the other believers contended with Peter for going into a Gentile's house and eating with them in Acts chapter 11. You come back, you think they should be saying, I heard Cornelius' whole house spoke in tongues. No, they're like this. What's up? Didn't you hear about the revival? Oh, yeah, the Gentiles. Let's talk about it. And they're frustrated. He took six witnesses with him when he went. Peter went to prove by his account of the vision, the events at Caesarea. The Gentiles now have access to salvation. And the other Jewish believers accepted this finally. They glorified God, Acts 11, 17, and 18. Yet in spite of the positive outcome, this past criticism seems to influences, influence Peter's present behavior. And I want us to really key in on that. Past criticism affects his present behavior. As Peter visited Paul and the other saints at Antioch, at first he mingles with the Gentiles freely. Hey, praise God, everybody's welcome. But when the messengers came from James, he's worried more about their thoughts. And he segregates himself. He moves himself away. And he gets back in these old Jewish prejudices that he used to have. And Paul gets fed up, Brother Hunter. He's mad. And he challenges him publicly. Now listen, I want you to be very clear. I am not teaching tonight hoping that we're going to have a lot of public challenging. 
Okay? <laughs> Everybody say, okay. That's not what I'm talking about. But what I am talking about is the challenge to the reality that everyone deserves to be saved. Or maybe doesn't deserve it because none of us deserve it, but they at least are given the opportunity by the cross of Christ. They get the same opportunity you do. They get the same opportunity that I do. And Paul had had enough. You know, most leadership will teach us that healthy confrontation is good. Healthy confrontation. Healthy confrontation doesn't have to be ugly. You know that every disagreement doesn't have to be ugly? You can disagree with a smile. I think you're wrong. Now you don't have to fake it. But it doesn't have to, it don't need to turn into a shouting match. It definitely doesn't need to become fisticuffs. You don't need to change where you sit in the church. Brother Mathis, the truth is, I bet you found some people along the way you didn't agree with. Is that? Yeah. And we can do, Brother Norman, now we can either just, we can either just agree to disagree, or we can talk about it. We can talk about it. Oh no, I don't, want to, I don't want to start anything. I don't. Well, the problem is it already started inside of you. It's changed your opinion of them. And so if you don't do anything about it, you choose to live with that. Let me ask you this. If you really think that someone is wrong biblically and you don't ask them about it or you don't try to be a close enough friend that you discuss it, then do you really love them? Again, I, I feel like I have to really address what I mean by the challenge. I don't, I don't really recommend the, the big hitter challenge of Paul to Peter standing up in front of a crowd. and, and but, but Paul felt like he's defending this whole group of people. And I think the reason that Paul publicly challenges Peter is because Peter openly and publicly makes these new believers feel worthless. And so he felt like because it was done in public, he needed to do it in public and I don't know how you feel, but I have a hard time feeling like I get to measure up with Paul and Peter here in this. So, But a kind conversation to where you have this challenge, and this is what I'm coming to here in this, this challenge reality. When Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed. What? Peter, you're wrong. How dare you tell me I'm wrong? You're wrong. How many of you spouses every now and then you have to tell each other? You're, you're wrong. I love you, but you're wrong. A friend that you can tell, you're wrong. Now, here's the flip side of that. I have had friends who tried to tell me that essential things in the Word of God were no longer relevant. To which they told me openly, so I had to openly reply, you are wrong. That's not insensitive. It's necessary. It's necessary. And so Paul, he challenges him. He holds him accountable. And watch what happens with Peter. 
When you look at this, you see that, that Peter all of a sudden is able to acknowledge. Paul, Peter, look, Peter's the elder apostle. He's the hero again of the day of Pentecost. He's got the keys to the kingdom. He's healed the lame man. We know the Lord did it, but he's doing it there. The, they, they won 5,000 new believers to Christ. He had defied the priests and the scribes. This is the guy, Peter's the guy, whose very shadow falling over people would lead to their healing. Yet Paul said, you're wrong. You're wrong. Paul could have just let the incident pass. He could have avoided conflict. But he believed that spiritual truth was necessity and that growth was worth fighting for. And that's what I'm trying to get to right there. It's the will of God that we all continue to grow. It's the will of God that we all continue to grow in Him. From the youngest to the oldest in this room right now, it is the will of God. Our prayer life needs to keep growing. Our knowledge of the Word needs to keep growing. But I'm going to give you a very practical tip that you haven't talked, some of you haven't talked about for a long time since you were teenagers or young adults, and maybe it wasn't even a big thing then. You need someone you're accountable to. Elders, I pray to God you have another elder in the church, not just your spouse, that you are accountable to. You say, well, I'm accountable to God. I understand. And you have to be. But the practical tool is he gave us the body intentionally. Well, I'm not a minister. Yes, you are. You might not be Paul or Peter, but you are a minister to the city of Indianapolis. You're a minister to Carmel or Fishers or Greenwood or Greenfield. You are a minister, and therefore you need people in your life that can challenge. You don't know, ah, what about, I mean, I walk by people and my shadow touches them. How many know that it is easy for us to build up an image of ourselves? We can build up an image of ourselves if we are not careful. If everyone in your circle agrees with you, you need a bigger circle. Now, I don't think you need someone in your circle that always disagrees with you either, no matter what you say. But if everybody in your circle agrees with you all the time, you need a bigger circle. It's important. Sparks typically fly in the process of sharpening. Uh-huh. Cling on that. Well, I don't like the way they said it. No, you don't like that they were right. <laughs> Come on, dip that in milk. It'll taste better. That They're right, and you don't like... I've been there and you have too, where you were mad and then it hits you. You're only mad because they're right. They're right and I'm wrong and I don't like it. But it's necessary. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. That's what Proverbs 27 says. 
Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Love me enough. That's how it ought to be in our friendships. Love me enough to not let me look dull. Love me enough to not let me miss weeks on end without calling me on it. Love me enough when I post something stupid on Facebook to give me a a personal call. Come on, is that real talk? Come on, some of you up there. Love me enough as a friend if I post something silly on Instagram that you'll text me before you text three of your friends the screenshot. This is going to sound silly and simple to some of you, but I make it a personal practice if I see someone who has personally embarrassed embarrassed themselves on social media, I do not save screenshots of that on my phone. And I do not send those to other people. And I got, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, it is a very common practice. Say, Brother Carson, what are you saying? I'm, I'm saying that to try to help some of you to stop that. Don't be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that also shall he reap. And you've got to be very careful when you're doing that. If you really love people, you cannot and we cannot cry in this church about wanting to win the world and we don't even love our brothers and sisters enough to tell them, hey, I don't know if you realize this, but that post didn't come across right. That picture doesn't look good. I'm not, I'm not gossiping, but you are. <laughs> I'm really not supposed to tell this, but then don't tell. Hey, they said not to say anything, but iron sharpening, iron sharpening, loving one another, loving one another. Hmm. Having a hard time moving on from that right there. We owe it. We owe it to one another to be accountable and to hold one another as close to the word of God, the truth of the word of God as as possible. Last point here. Overlooking disagreements and faults will lead to disunity. Amos asks a rhetorical question in Amos 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Peter and Paul could have simply agreed to disagree. Let's just agree to disagree. You can do that on, on a lot of things. Like whether it's, whether it's uh, uh, Popeye's or Chick-fil-A. Listen, that's not big enough to get mad at each other over. That's the kind of stuff you can agree to disagree on. White gravy or dark gravy? How many of you like... Okay, let's do a little survey. Chicken, you like white meat. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you like dark meat? We got a lot of all the bird people in here. How many of you just like chicken? Just, yeah. White meat, dark meat. Pizza Hut versus Papa John's. Chicago versus Thin. Oh, you're all like, I don't even know why I was hungry. I didn't even know. that. How many of you think that pizza ought to be thick? Think it ought to be deep dish? How many of you think pizza ought to be thin? So thin you can see yourself in the mirror just looking through it. Just thin like that cheap stuff your mom bought when you were a kid and it had the holes in the bottom. 
took it out. It tasted like cardboard, but you loved it because it was pizza. Here's the deal. Guess what? You're both right. Deep dish thin, who cares? You can agree to disagree on that. But we cannot agree to disagree on doctrine. We can't. We can't. There is critical doctrine and then there are pastoral preference issues. And we need to be able to be honest about the difference between them. Some people want to say, well, where do you stand on this? Well, show me in the Bible. And there's sometimes I just, I'm guarding this area. It's just a preference on this area. Friends in our life that will not agree to disagree on key and important things like this. Peter's reaction to Paul's rebuke was just as important as Paul's courage of confronting him. Peter could have rejected correction. But taking godly counsel is wise and a source of wisdom according to Proverbs 12. It is wise. It is wise. Instead of reacting negatively, Peter accepts Paul's rebuke and would later call him a beloved brother. 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 15. Everybody repeat after me. I need somebody in my life. Who can be honest even if it hurts? If you agree with that statement, please stand with me. Unlocking right relationships. So this is our challenge, week one. From the youngest to the oldest. You need somebody in your life you're accountable to. Now listen, I can't get 800 calls this week. It's not realistic. I'll do my best to guide and guard from this area and do my best to hear from the Lord and take these where we need to go. But you do need somebody in your life. And if you say, well, I don't have any friends, then you need to look at the guy in the mirror again. Show yourself friendly. Have some friends. I understand some of you may be very dismissive about this, but I'm challenging all that will to reach out a little bit. Or when you're in your little conversation, having your conversations in foyers or in texting, and this is way harder for guys than it is girls. Ladies. Ladies have these, it's typically. But have this interaction. When you're talking to somebody you're close to, that little statement, even if you're in, you're in your 50s, 60s, talking to a buddy. Let's keep each other accountable. Let's keep each other, Brother Gallion, let's keep each other accountable. Let's keep each other accountable. Peter, you were wrong. You were wrong. You let an old criticism turn into a present stumbling block and it's going to hurt your ministry. It's going to hurt your ministry. It's going to hurt your future. Lord, we want to be like you. And one of the most important things you've given us is the body. The same way that I need my physical body to work together, I need my 
brain to send these impulses to my fingers and they move and they pick things up. My body is, it works in human, just kind of human interaction. It works in, in a synchronized fashion. This is the way you designed us. You also designed your church to work together. I pray that you'd touch our hearts and our minds and that you'd help our actions. Help us to have people in our life that become the safeguards. They guard us against failure. They guard us against falling out. Yeah, I know, God, we've got to have our own personal walk, but we also need these very practical people in our life that are close enough to us to be able to hold us accountable. I'm asking for your help in this church. What you're trying to do in this church, where you're trying to take us, it will be one of the great attacks of the enemy for some to be lost casually along the way. And I'm praying you help us to safeguard our relationships so that cannot happen. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and let everyone say amen.